good morning and welcome. Yes, we are going to flip-flop today's program due to some golf in my immediate future. And uh, so if you have a question, comment, it's 580-5436-580-KIDO. The recording from this past week with Kevin Miller will be uh, approximately 9.30 till the end of our show at 10. So welcome. You know, it's been interesting lately. In fact, we did a Zoom meeting for our clients. And you can uh, actually access that if you'd like. It's uh, in YouTube under Fetso Financial. Um, I believe it's been downloaded. If not, it will be by Monday. Um, but anyway, we talked about should I be worried? And the the feeling every moment of every day is yes. But feelings aren't real good about the way we ought to invest money. They're not good at all. It steers us wrong all the time. And I, I think about some of the simplistic things, and, and, and let me kind of give you some history here as part of this, to, to you know, some background, if you will. So gold is at $800 an ounce after a hyperinflated time during the 1970s. Hyperinflated, concerns about the world, an impotent president. Oh, yeah, a lot like we have today. Uh, our standing in the world was crumbling. The Soviet Union was rolling up through South America. And Jimmy Carter just wanted to walk over and turn down the thermostat and tell us we're in for hard times. That was the world when I started in the industry. And the Dow's at 800, gold's at 800. That's not how it played out over the next 40 years. Gold has not even increased by the rate of inflation during that time. It only sits today at 1900. The world's on fire, we have inflation, and gold can't budge. And gold has not produced dividends, growing dividends, the way the market has. But still today, this is a the only thing that holds its real value, or look at me, I'm a B-movie actor, used to be, or a game show host, or whatever it is, I did commercials, and so you ought to care what's in my safe. Like, really? It, it, it's really amazing what is this parade of constant, this is how you have, you have to do this, because the world is ending. It's a constant parade. And it's not something that, if you will, necessarily goes away because times are, you know, calmer. They don't. It doesn't go away. In fact, it amps up at various times. A new way to reach people, the Internet, a new way to scare them. The internet, talk radio, just advertisers running in between the constant barrage of negative news. 
the world is upside down. I completely get it. I feel the same way. But sometimes we have to take a step back and say, I know. I get it. JoJo and company is in charge. They don't play by the rules. They make it up. The student loan thing is knocked down by the Supreme Court. It always was going to be. They don't have the right to do that. It wasn't a question of the conservative judges, if they could only change them. It was a, the only question is it should have been 9-0. But there are three of them are not judges at all. They're legislators. And that's not a political stance. That's just a fact. The Congress controls the purse strings, but not to this president, not to that administration. They don't like the voters, so they just do what they want to do. Feels wrong. Feels un-American. So from the highest level, we've got that problem. Around the world, we've got fires everywhere. And even if you talk about social issues, they don't make sense. You and I can disagree, but who thinks it's a good idea to teach third graders anything about sex? Or gender identification. Are you a boy or are you a girl? Who knew? I didn't know. Who knew? Third grade. Girls were different. I, I Kind of because somebody told me they were. Not because you feel it. You're incapable. This is our world. It's mixed up. But when we think of it investment-wise, don't don't bring the two together, and it's really, really hard to do. And when we... Don't talk about this and the difficulty of that. I think it, it makes it easier to fall prey to our feelings. I feel that the world is a wreck. Therefore, it can't go well with my investments. They're two different things. They really are. So when we talk about worries like digital currency, what are we really talking about with that? I mean, is this something we're really worried about? Digital currency. Or are we worried about doing digital currency because then they can manipulate our actions? That's a Justice Department thing, not the digital currency thing. Two different things. As if we don't use digital currency now. We do use digital currency. It's called a credit card. It's called wire transfers, ACHs. Do you know how the number is astounding to me, but we pay out $50 million a year at, just at Petso Financial. 50 million. And that number can fluctuate because somebody wants to buy a house and they need $400,000 or whatever. You know, I mean, these are all always in flux. But basically, monthly income, it's an astounding number. That's a lot to generate. And people are, that's how much goes out. Do you know how many checks go out? One, of all that money, one check, 
we have one client. Not that they don't have checkbooks, but one that regularly takes their income with a check that's mailed. One. Everybody else has it done digitally. It just arrives at their bank on time. Social Security arrives on their bank on time. Auto pays. How many checks do you write now? Do you write out a check for you, your utilities? Some of you are nodding, but most people are, no. We already do digital and have for a long time. And I'm not even talking about the Venmos and the PayPals and all the other things that are out there. That's just banks, transacting business. Astounding. So what is our fear? Our fear is not of a digital currency. Very little cash is used at all anymore. Even over here at the club. Because so few people carry cash to tip the bad guy, they have a Venmo account. Everywhere is digital. Is that the real fear? We go to a digital currency? Or is it a completely different fear, completely justified, that our own government is going to pick favorites illegally in every possible way, certainly immoral as well. That's the fear, because that's what we've seen at the FBI and Justice Department, but that has nothing to do with the markets and the fear of digital currency and why I ought to go buy gold or I need an equity indexed annuity. I actually got an email here. I'll share it with you in the next segment asking that question. We get our fears twisted. They're not wrong. They're real fears, but they're not, they're not the fears that are the kind of thing that is going to affect how many iPhones Apple sells next quarter. And that's the mix. My feelings that the United States is on the wrong track. That our society focuses on the absolutely wrong things. And it's intentional focus on the wrong things to distract and to pull us away. Away from what's important, like families, core values. America is different and unique. Those are the things we're trying to pull away from. Not we, those guys, the enemy, the enemy of America to distract, but it has nothing to do with corporate America. Certainly not for the next several years. Do these things matter in the long run? You bet they do. All you have to do is look around the world and say, how do the markets do in other countries that aren't as free? You know the answer. Not very good.
So it matters in the long run. It doesn't matter in the short run. It's noise. So we go by gold. It produces nothing. There's no income. There's nothing to it. And I get the question all the time, should I be buying gold? I have gold in my safe. I've got silver. I've got, you know, whatever. Well, we use coins was, was, was what I was told last week by somebody. It's coins. No, it's gold. It's just gold. It doesn't matter if it's a coin. It doesn't make it any more spendable. Do you really think if there's an economic collapse, the dollar goes away? So the economy does what? What does it do? Do we go to Albertsons and flake off pieces of gold or just like lop off a chicken head and throw the carcass on the counter and go, hey, I'll trade you for some milk? It doesn't exist. So we worry about things like, like well, I want to have something that, that I can use. Use for what? For what? We're talking about survivalist stuff, seeds, and a bunker to protect your stuff, food, ammunition, and guns. We're going to talk about something in the financial markets. You can't protect your wealth in a complete economic collapse. It just isn't. Feasible. So beyond barring that, what are we worried about? Why doesn't gold budge if the world is so bad? It just doesn't budge. It's really it, sometimes we really have to stop and think about how amazing it is that you live in America in this crazy time. The abundance is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. We have so much. And yet we worry so much. And I think it's nothing more than we have so many, if you will, noisy inputs. Not news, noise. Not insight, most certainly. Noise. Constant. Nobody takes a breath. And this we then take to figure out what we should do with our investments, when the reality is of investing, it isn't hard. You know, when we look at the world now and interest rates, you can actually get 5% on money mark. Treasuries, short term. 4% for longer ones. Yeah, the yield curve is backwards, called inverted. So what do we do? Do you do that when they're raising rates? Yeah, you do. You can now. You couldn't when rates were zero. You can now. It's interesting. 
there are so many things available now that produce massive amounts of income that we didn't have available just over a year ago because they weren't producing any income. But we worry more about producing income. How are you going to live with a pile of gold? What are you going to live on? What does it produce? Nothing. What's the bar of silver make? Zero. How do you protect against inflation if you just put it all in a CD or a money market, even though it's 5%? It's a part now we can use. But the bottom line is what's always worked, what's always worked, always, 100% of the time, over time, never failed, is to put money away regularly, leave it alone, and you come back years later and you're rich. That's it. Every single time. Yet every single time, what do we do? We try to reinvent the wheel and we get fearful. It is what human beings do all the time. All the time. It just hasn't changed. 40 years ago, buy gold. 33 years ago, 23 years ago, 22. Now they've come up with all kinds of new stuff. If you're really that worried about it, but you kind of want to own stocks, they've got exchange-traded funds now. You can change your mind and get out because the market's open tomorrow. You're not tied up forever. Not stuck in some stupid annuity that won't work. They have these things out now. I just saw one the other day cross my desk, literally, this past week. 100% guaranteed. Can't lose. So what's the price? Yes, that doesn't come for free. That's what people need to ask of the annuity sales guy. What's the price? They cap your returns. That's the price. You don't get your dividend. That's the price. And that's true on everything. Any kind of buffer, whether it's 100% or I want the first down 20 covered by this company. Okay, done. First 50%, done. Pick your number. Now it's all there. The difference now is you can get out. <laughs> and the difference is you can buy it for free. There is no commission, no 10% commission. People can do that. But the real way to wealth is not trying to guess what the market does. What's your market opinion is the wrong question. We'll talk more about that in the future. Right now, I'm a little over time. We've got to take a quick break. And our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. And if you have any questions, Feel free to shoot them over to Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. Also, of course, our number here is 580-5436-580-KIDO. You know, and like I said, Dave at PetsoFinancial.net, if you prefer. All right. So I said that I had an email that came in, and it's, uh, okay, here we go. Yes. I am a frequent listener to you and other programs on your station. 
I feel that you are trying to educate and others are selling something. How do I check the hosts out to make sure they are one of the good guys? Well, now, isn't that's interesting. It brings up a million different questions, and I, I don't want to step on it or, or hurt anybody's feelings here. I think that the thing that you have to understand, you know, I see the station does, it makes an effort to um, make it clear that time is bought on the stations and it's not their liability of whether they're good guys or not. The station doesn't screen. They're just happy to take your money. That's true. Now, I have seen in the past where people are um, lose their license, for example. Uh, that actually happened a couple of years ago here. And they declined to let that person on air. But as far as checking it out or expecting them to, to understand uh, the complexities, say, of an annuity, and whether there's other alternatives available or whether there's full disclosure. An example would be you don't want to pay commissions or fees to an advisor. You don't want to pay fees, but taking a 10% commission for an annuity is not a fee. Huh. Or the idea that nobody should be selling a product. It's not a financial solution, is a product. It would be a portfolio of products, if you will. That's not the station's responsibility. That's yours. That's your common sense that says this is absurd. There is no product that gives you the full upside, no downside, and is guaranteed, and this is what Warren Buffett recommends. No, it's not. He doesn't own it. He doesn't recommend it. It's ridiculous and full of exaggerations. This is, this is our common sense. If you want to check it out, and, and there are, are numerous ways, but the best way that I know of, FINRA has a website, and there are people on the radio right now that have endless amounts of complaints. I mean, it's just it's not endless. I don't want to exaggerate, but a lot of complaints. I think that's a problem. So I would not say that's a good guy. It's not a hard thing to check out if it's something you want to do. I would expect people, whether they were listening on the radio, whether they were coming into our office, somebody referred them, they would at least check and see if we were licensed and, and what, if there were complaints and things like that. And everybody, anybody can complain. I get that. But if there's a pattern here, hey, come on. We, it's up to our common sense. I wish there was something, how can you tell? It's your own common sense. Do you really think it's worth listening to people that exaggerate, that don't fully reveal what it is that they're trying to sell, what the costs are, the, that, that maybe the money's tied up for a decade? that there's massive commissions, it's not free. All of those things. Or there's exaggerations of being able to time the market, even though you know you can't. You've never met anybody that's in the market timing hall of fame. 
or we talk about hedges, or we talk about this and that. It's full of, the world is full of people looking forward to taking and separating you from your money. That's the only thing I can tell you. You just have to use your common sense. And yes, you can check them out if they have anything to do with the financial business. Now, here's part of the problem. A lot of folks out there on the radio are selling insurance or gold or whatever. And the reason is I mention that is because they don't have to have a securities license, so they don't. And the reason they don't is then they don't have to be held to a fiduciary standard. There are no certified financial planners. For example, I have to, regardless of any other licenses I have, have to have a fiduciary relationship, meaning I have to care about only you, not how it relates to me in our financial relationship. Period. Part of being a certified financial planner. So you won't find a CFP that's just selling annuities because they would be held to a different standard of disclosure. You can't say things like, well, there's no cost. Yeah, there is. There's a 10% commission. What do you mean there's no cost? You would have to fully disclose the downside of any investment. So they don't carry certified financial planner status. They don't license with FINRA because then you also have disclosure requirements. You would have to disclose the costs and commissions. So they don't even carry a securities license. Only an insurance license because insurance doesn't have any requirements. Barely has any requirements. You don't have to do anything except like, I guess probably not rape a person. You're not allowed to kill them. You're not allowed to put a gun to their head. But I think those laws are covered somewhere else because the reality is the insurance laws are so lax, they don't have any requirements for disclosure, certainly not full disclosure at all. It's a different ballgame. So you do have to be careful about what licenses people have. So that I'll throw out there. I'll say the rest is common sense. And I wish it wasn't, but it is. But I can't expect a radio station to know everything about every business and whether those are good people, whether it's healthcare, health professionals giving advice, or it's financial. I appreciate the question. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetzalFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you again for joining us. If you would like to join us live, please do. It's 580 5436 580-K-I-D-O. And if you prefer email, it's Dave at PetzalFinancial.net. And if you hadn't caught on, this is a uh, flip-flop of our usual uh, timing. The uh, Kevin, the se- segment I have with Kevin Miller from earlier in the week will be playing at the end of the program rather than the beginning today. So we're live and ready to roll. If you have any comments or questions, we would love to hear from you. We've been talking today a lot about our fears and worries and how we impose them in our investment plans. And and, and that, of course, isn't helpful. 
it's not helpful at all. We need to stop doing that, right? I mean, it's pretty straight up. But it's darn hard. It's really hard not to feel like the world is upside down. What's right is wrong. And that we've lost control and that there are really deep problems in our own Justice Department that make it feel like we are becoming a banana republic. I, 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 I understand that. And I think it has to be something that we all continue to monitor. But we don't monitor it day to day and get caught in the noise of the day to day. We've got to get our country back. And it doesn't mean it's back the way I like it. It's back with an intelligent dialogue. Not everything from a disease like COVID to our Justice Department is a political thing or a weapon or what have you. I mean, millions of people died from COVID. And I think millions were killed by the people who are supposed to be protecting us because we couldn't have any free speech and free dialogue and, and come to some real understandings of it. And we can't even talk about the fact that how many kids aren't going back to school and what their lives are going to be like and how 70,000 people this year are dying of fentanyl. Is that like maybe some kind of bounce back from that? I don't know. You know, it sure seems like it. These are the things we need to fight for and change. But as I say, it doesn't have anything to do with how many iPhones Apple's going to sell next quarter. Those are long-term things. And they do have an effect. And as we think about the whole world, I think about it this way. Over the past 40 years that I've been in the industry, it's not in a hindsight way that I say there are times that it was great for overseas investing, particularly in emerging markets. And there's times now for the last 15 years that it's never good. And things change, and this is, is something that has happened that over, when it was 40 years ago or 30 years ago, when the world started shifting and Hong Kong became this amazing place, if you will, this huge draw of capital came there. Freedom was being embraced, even from within China. And the world was becoming freer and freer. And when we're talking about capital, we're talking about free people, we're talking about economic development, social development. Freedom is everything. It's everything. Rule of law. And all of that has been taken away. And when we look south of the border, is Mexico becoming less corrupt or more corrupt or certainly as corrupt all the way through South America? When it was in the 80s, we saw this move from the Sandinistas and, and, and all the influence from Cuba and horrible places like that were being swamped with democratic values. Their future was right there, and they were growing, and they were some of the juiciest returns in the world. 
And that's changed. And what I'm saying with all of this is to say this. It might change in the long run with America, but not overnight. We always have to watch these things from an investment perspective. I don't look at the world and go, well, we need to diversify in the same way we always thought about it before. I'll talk about that a little more in the next hour because I think it's an important thing. I mean, we run into these phone calls and, and discussions with companies on and off of Wall Street. It's always the same. We think we should put 4% in emerging markets and, and 3% in their bonds. And, and we really like the outlook for international stocks because they're cheaper than the U.S. Really, because they always are cheaper than the U.S. Because they're not free anymore. They're not abundant. They don't embrace capitalism. They still think or are moving towards corrupt government intervention. And that's always what government intervention is, no matter how you think. I don't care if you're a leftist or not. Government never gets it right. It always becomes corrupt. It's always crony capitalism. Always. By definition, it always is that. No matter what you wish. I want it to be more fair. Whatever fair looks to you. Always. And it destroys the economies. It does. And so we have to watch those different things and say, hey, if you want your best returns, that's been the U.S. You want your best returns, that's been the dominant U.S. growth companies, not value companies, not old steel industry and airlines and automobiles that are controlled by what? Basically little governments, unions, unions. Look at our education system, controlled by unions. We really suck at education. It's unbelievable how bad we are. And we can't fix it. Don't seem to be able to, because the unions don't want to. True across industry, true across the world. And so we have to watch for that, but it's a long process, and we are far and away the best in the world. All right, I've got to take my final break this hour. Our number is 580-5436, 580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. <laughs> if you'd like to join us, it's 580-5436, 580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. It's amazing, I, and I'm going to talk about this in the next hour. But it's stunning, all of the market outlooks people have. And even when you're talking with them and, and kind of like making fun, no, we don't really need an, an outlook. You guys told us it was going to be 3,200 on the S&P, and we're at 42 now. So I, that really wasn't helpful. 51% of Wall Street, 51% of their predictions are wrong. And so, you know, I, I joked with one last week, and it was like, I, I really did say this. And I said, no, so what we've decided to do, instead of uh, listening to people's predictions and all, is that we have simply hired blind monkeys to throw darts. That's our, that's our market outlook strategy. And, of course, they laughed and then proceeded to, well, this is how we feel about and gave us a market outlook. <laughs> it's, it is 
so hysterical because it's this this mantra that goes on. They can't stop themselves. It's absolutely crazy, but they cannot stop themselves. So we get caught in this world that feels like we shouldn't have an outlook for what gold prices are going to do. And, and where this comes from, I think a lot of it, it comes from the idea that um, I'm going to buy some time on the radio. Um, I'm going to buy commercial time, TV or radio, and I'm going to scare people and tell them where gold is going to. Right? I'm going to name a price. It's, I, you know, and, and then we have to come back in Wall Street, I guess, to justify their existence in some way. I don't know why. Because I think people like Warren Buffett have more than certainly justified their existence, and they don't have a market outlook. They say they don't have one. Kind of amazing. No outlook. So here's Wall Street, if you will. At the beginning of 2023. Now, what's really good about Wall Street is at the beginning of 22, you needed to just own the growth stocks, but they cratered in 22, just just were crushed. Apple, Google, Amazon, Netflix, my gosh, Meta got more than cut in half. So did Tesla, like way more than in half. And by the end of the year, in the beginning of the next year, Wall Street is uniform in its now certainty that Tesla was not going to be good and you needed to avoid that. Meta was a basket case. I mean, Zuckerberg, man, you don't have to like Zuckerberg, but, you know, writing off companies like Facebook, after they go down, is really this bizarre, weird, I don't know why we pay people like that for that kind of commentary, but they do. They're able to be the king of what was happening this moment and pretending they didn't just say the opposite the year before or even the month before. So it was completely unhelpful to be all in and growth in 22. And it most certainly to throw them all under the bus and say, yep, value stocks are back. They're the, they're the kings. Just own oil. The worst performing sector in the S&P, I believe, is oil. Energy stocks this year. The best performing stock sector by far is technology. Tesla's more than doubled from its lows. But you can't own it. Elon Musk doesn't need to distract it by filling the blank. It's stunning. The NASDAQ, which is very tech-heavy, is up 35% year-to-date. Year-to-date. Not trailing 12 months. Year-to-date, 35%. And they were not to be owned. That was the certainty of Wall Street at the time. Wow. And so we go around making these predictions, and we listen to them. And then we throw on top of that digital schmidgital currencies, inflation, and whatever politics you can find to throw into the mix. How many times have I heard over the last six months that Joe was going to take their currency away with 
as soon as it turned into digital. Labor department's out of control. Inflation's out of control. We can't ever get it. I don't know what's going to be the future of all of that, but predicting it has been wrong. Don't know where gold prices are going to be. Doesn't matter. Gold produces nothing. Just avoid it. It produces no income. Can't, it cannot enhance itself. Pretty much every ounce that's ever been found is on Earth still. This is the constant thing. We're going to talk about this at the beginning of the next hour. I hope you'll join us. But right now, we're going to take a quick break here for Fox News. We'll talk to you after that. Hello, welcome, and once again, thank you for joining us. And as I like to remind everybody, these are my opinions and my opinions only. Not this station, and we're not here to tell you to buy, 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 or sell, sell, sell. It's noise. We're the anti-noise. Take a deep breath. Try to think. Think about the world a little bit. We don't have to predict what the market's going to do to get rich. We occasionally have to change our rigidity. And actually, as I've lived longer, invested longer, I've come to realize that I know this is really a weird thing to say because we all get stuck in it, but things change. The world changes. And you have to hang on to this tenuous, this tension, if you will, between the most dangerous words in investing are, this time it's different. That's true. When people are like, Hey, the internet is here and trees grow to the sky. They, there's no way to keep these stocks down. All you got to do is buy stocks because they only go up. And you don't have to worry about what you pay for stocks. They just don't worry about those things or whether they make money and things like that. And then it blows up entire portfolios. And, and I mean blow up, go to zero kind of things. So, so that's dangerous. But at the same time, and this is the one that I think is so hard for people, I really do, is that it's always different. So there's a tension between those two things. It's always different. So I grow up in a world where the kings of investing, and I mean they're the greatest investors and they're the greatest investors of all time. Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, Michael Price, John Templeton, Benjamin Graham, he was kind of their leader, if you will, before, teacher. That was the way you invested. Growth was now because you weren't getting the right values. But things changed. And industry started to roll over and die more quickly. They became dinosaurs. and didn't show profitability. That is different. That is a big change. We have to adjust to that. I grew up knowing that you had to build a portfolio 
that was small cap, large, growth, value, mid caps, stocks, bonds, U.S. and international, and you had to throw in some emerging markets. And boy, did that emerging market work so good for a good chunk of time. And then, as I said in the last hour, and I've said many times before, freedom went away. The world is less free today. So what do you think the allocation should be to emerging markets? Well, in my mind, I don't want to own a Chinese stock. That's the biggest emerging market. I mean, period. Just don't. I just think it's dumb as a rock. I don't care if it works. That's just luck. That just means that Xi hasn't wiped out that industry yet. Seriously. Or just put the CEO in jail. Jack Ma, ah, he's gone. Oh, he's alive. That's right. He somehow came back to life. But he's not running the company anymore. Had to pay billions to the Chinese government. Geez, buddies. Yeah, I want to own stuff in a country like that. They could just take it away anytime. It's just, you know, I'm going to go visit one of our facilities and I disappear. Yeah, I, boy, is that ever pro-growth. It's changed. Corruption dictatorships are on the rise around the world. It's sad. It's even sad to say, to think, and maybe someday that'll change again and we'll be able to invest. But I think we have to think that way about what's doable. European stocks are cheap compared to U.S. stocks. We hear this all the time. I mean, have heard it for 10 years, how cheap they are. Weirdly, they just stay that way. But it's not weird. Europe doesn't invent or create anything. Why do I would I invest there? I know there are reasons. You should, hey, the yields on some of their uh, stocks are, are bigger. There's a company like ASML, which is a killer company out there. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a pocket here or there. But generally speaking, this is not a place of innovative small businesses that grow into bigger businesses. That's what America does. Yeah, yeah, there's a biotech ha biotech haven in Israel, for sure. And some other technology things there. I It's not 100%. But it, to me, you have to think about this. Are the value stocks the ones that have been winning? Well, not for the last one year, three year, five, seven, 10, 15, 20, et cetera. They're not. Does that mean you can't own any? No. They tend to be the dividend payers. They're doing okay, some of them. But shouldn't I be paying attention to what's in front of me? When interest rates are zero, do I really need to own 40% of my portfolio in bonds? Because that's what they taught me in business school. And I know all this stuff seems like common sense because it is common sense. But this, I, I have these discussions almost every day, but certainly every week. And I had him again this past week, twice, two days in a row, different money managers, big ones, giant ones. Vanguard was one, JP Morgan was another one. Won't stop doing two things, making market predictions, and they can't stop themselves even when you make fun of them. Even when you make fun of them. 
I was unbelievably nice because the one guy that was there was the guy I had multiple discussions before with. I mean, literally a year ago. Why are you stuck on that the P.E. ratios where the market's going to be and then you're going to figure out how much corporate earnings are and therefore you have 3,200 on the S&P? Why? How? I'm not saying the market's going up or down. I'm not making a prediction, but you're, you're being definite where the market will be. But the market spends almost like 99% of the time nowhere near its historical average, price to earnings ratio. It's way more or way less. So why is this a relevant number? Because everybody has to have some form of numerology is how they live. And this is, to me, the hardest thing to get over. The world is changing. We need to change with it, number one. Number two, you don't get to know what the future is. We don't. And whatever you've predicted 12 months ago isn't happening today. By some magnitude, you're wrong. Wall Street's magnitude was off the charts wrong. The Federal Reserve's magnitude is is beyond incompetence. Who says we're going to have three one-quarter point rate increases in the year 2022, meaning 0.75, and they're at, at over 4%? These are the ones that control interest rates. And now they're telling us what they're going to do next year. Here's the important thing to understand. They don't know. They're flipping clueless. So here's what we need to do is go read the guy who's predicting gold is going to be at 2200 by next whatever, you know, let's say by December. And then the, the silver thing is going to really go to the moon. And we need to know what J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, et cetera, think the market's going to do. No, we don't. We don't need to know that. What we need to know is is that the interest rates are now 5% on money markets. They were zero. Okay, thanks for telling me the obvious, Captain Obvious. Here's what is obvious to me that I argue about all the time. When interest rates were zero, you can't own bonds that earn less than the inflation rate. You can't. They won't work. Why do I want to buy things that won't work? I mean, I know they won't work because they can't work. Because they're earning less than the rate of inflation, how is that going to help me have 4% income all the days of my life, cost of living adjusted that I can't outlive? How is that going to do it when it's not even earning the inflation rate? It won't work. Yeah, but that's what I learned in business school. That's what I learned in finance. That's what I learned to become a CFP. That's what I learned as a money manager. And I will not change. I will not change. Present me with new facts. I still will not change. This is the robotic nature of human beings. I know what I know. Don't tell me anything different. Okay. Jump off the roof. Pretty sure you won't fly. But go ahead. What you believe. I can't stop them. 
And now we get into the whole thing. Make fun of the fact about their market predictions, not in a mean way, just generally. Like, <laughs> Wall Street's wrong 51% of the time. So we hire blind monkeys throwing darts to make our predictions. Because guess what? They're right half the time. That's better than Wall Street. And we don't pay millions of dollars to people to, that sound really good about P.E. ratios doing this and earnings we think are going to be at 121. And they're never right because how you're going to get all the earnings right for the S&P 500, you can't. It's a completely absurd thing. So all you can do with this is say the trajectory for growth is more growth. Okay, I'll invest there. Especially when prices pull back. And what often causes the pullback is what? Wall Street unanimously declaring that growth is dead, like they did after they went down in 22, not before, after. Then the prices got really silly good. And of course, I know what you all did. You ran collectively, ran to buy some Amazon, Google, Apple, Netflix, Meta, Tesla, we don't do that. We listen to the wrongness. Not really a good choice of words, but you get what I'm being. Unbelievable. And it's just as, so this is the fight all the time with us too, right? In turn. So Dave, what do you think about the market? I'm trying not to, please don't ask me. I try not to have a market outlook. Because if we had a market outlook in 2023, certainly after what you would call a nice rally, dead cat bounce, whatever, as it appears we're heading into a recession, we get a nice little bump from October through say January, February, especially in those really beaten up tech stocks. They're on fire, they're flying. Where do we go from there? Probably down. We, I mean, come on, this is really not looking like a great economic backdrop. Everything doesn't look great. That's the honest answer. Having certainty of anything is, I, I think, a form of insanity. Honestly, it's really, really weird to be certain about really anything about the future. But what happens if you just kind of go, okay, I've got some good stuff here. As dividends come in, cash comes in, we can wait for other opportunities. And guess what? Those popped up in energy companies, real estate companies. And tech kept rolling. Pulling it out, putting it in cash, and all or none move, you missed a continued huge rally. Tesla's up more than 100% from its lows. More than double. So's Meta. It's crazy. Amazon and Google and Apple are on fire. Apple hits $3 trillion in market cap, but they can't do that. That's what we're told. That's what we're told. So you hold, you don't predict, you don't have to add to, you just wait. And then other areas become really great values. 6% corporate bonds, high quality. 7.5% 
in some preferred stocks, and I'm not even talking about the stupid financials. Good stuff. Stuff out there. It was on fire in 22, had a pullback in 23, and now looks pretty cheap relative to the yields. Don't have to be right about the future. We can react to what it is. And you don't have to listen to it. Don't. Leave it be. Set it aside. Think. Just react to what you have in front of you. You got a roll. I sure appreciate all of you. We're, we're just about out of time. If you have any comments or questions, fire them off. Petsofinancial.com. Also catch our podcast there as well. And don't forget about YouTube. We've got some Zoom meetings there. Have a great rest of the day. Kevin Miller and I are next.